How can we, as creative educators and entrepreneurs, find our authentic voice, get real in a world where real is hard to come by, and share our vision all while making some serious money and keeping it all balanced? Hey, hey, it's Alyssa with the Teacher Hustle Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. Thanks for taking a chance on me. I'm a fifth grade teacher, toddler mom, and serial entrepreneur. I'm answering all your burning questions and bringing you simple business tips, mindset shifts, and inspiration to help you turn your passion into an income that makes an impact without being overly complicated. You know that one thing you can't stop talking about? We are going to share it with the world. So grab a cup of coffee and let's bring your wildest ideas to life. Last week, you heard part one of the interview with Kwame. Kwame has so much to share with us. Uh, we could have talked for ages. We broke this episode into two parts. And in the second part, we're going to dive deep up into some entrepreneur topics, some topics you definitely want to stay tuned for. And he's going to talk to you about how to stay true to the teacher in you, which is really important in a crowd among so many people talking about their passion topics, so many educators with wonderful ideas to share. How do we stay true to ourselves? Kwame is going to help us with that in part two. As I'm listening to you, I'm hearing, you know, your identity is your story. And you said, as business owners, having our story gives us credibility and people love stories. So the more you can lean into your identity and your story and your vision and the more rock solid you are in that, the better business owner you're going to be. Because you, there's going to be some shaking that happens as a business owner. Like you, There will be conflict. There's no way when you start putting your ideas out into the world, um, there's going to be, there's just going to be friction, which actually I think is great. Because in the world of education, getting into the difficult conversations is what helps us grow. So we yeah. have to do that. And we have to be like ready as business owners. You know, when you started, I think one of the easier things that we perceive to be easy is like start an Instagram account. Okay, I want to I want to put my ideas out there. Let me start an Instagram account. But once you start putting your ideas out there, you have to expect that there are going to be these difficult conversations and you have to be rock solid in your beliefs to be able to step into that conversation and have it and learn from it and be open to that. Right. And and social media can be a beast if you allow yeah. it to. Um and yes, part of it is you using your discretion in terms of what you put out there as far as, far as content and understanding how certain populations of folks may react to it. I mean, that's part of our responsibility. But also something that we have to consider is the fact that we get to choose who we get to choose who we allow into our space and who we don't allow into that space, whether it's virtually or in person. Like there's a reason why you can block people. There's a reason why you can unfollow people if they're just there to be agitators, if you will. So I think that's that's part of you know our responsibility. We have control over that. We don't have to allow folks to take over, you know, our message. And that's the beauty of social media is that we have the ability to build authority within that, whether it's through pictures, through posts through all kinds of creative messaging. And, and, it's a, and it's something that you learn over time. Like, 
and it's a funny story about uh, my Instagram account. I started my Instagram account in 2013, around there, wow. about 2013. But at that time, I was Facebook heavy. All I did was Facebook. Mm-hmm. And Twitter was just starting. So I wasn't really into Twitter like that. I just thought, well, Facebook does the same thing as everything else. Why do I need to get four or five different social media accounts to say the same thing? That was my mindset at the time. So I, I put out a few posts on Instagram, left the account alone for like four or five years, didn't touch it, just let it sit there, collect dust. And then once I started to get more into entrepreneurship and I saw that people were holding multiple accounts, that's when I got on Instagram and just started to kind of build my profile on there. But also maintain my Facebook account as well. And then I started, you know, going to Twitter, right? And I saw how people were using that platform to not only gain clientele, but also to build authority. Because once again, it's about receipts. People, people want to see you in action. People want to see you in the classroom. People want to hear what you say. You never know what words come out your mouth you know, that will impact somebody. And I've had so many epiphanies along the way where, wow, like I just said this and then I got 10 people DMing me, whether it's them uh, mentioning me in their story where they're sharing, you know, my words or it's them just saying, like, this really hit my spirit, you know, thank you, right? Um, And I think this is why you can't get caught up in the metrics, like how many likes you get, how many followers, how many follows you get, right? Because you know, in in especially in so especially in Instagram, people say, "Well, I get to that 10k. Once I get to 10k, that's going to unlock these features. That's going to allow me to get monetized. That's going to allow me to get the swipe up, more time on my IG lives, and all these other things that open up." So there is a game or an algorithm that you have to break with every social media account. And I'll, I'll be transparent and say it's still a work in progress for me. I feel like over the years I've gotten better just by watching other people and learning from folks. But you really have to be intentional about posting. You know, and it doesn't mean you have to post 20 times a day, but you have to have some type of organized system where you know what you're going to post every day. Even if that means investing in some kind of third-party app that allows you to schedule posts. So for, for myself, I use Buffer. And Buffer is one of those third-party apps where you're able to schedule posts ahead of time so that you don't have to do it you know, in real time. You could just get out the way and then just do what you need to do because you don't have time to be on social media, especially if you're by yourself and you don't have a staff. You need to really just schedule 10, spend a day just scheduling posts for the week. That way, they just pop up and all you have to do is just post them or they'll just post automatically if it's not a carousel. So I, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> I wrote down three words as you were talking through all of that. Well, three phrases, I guess. I wrote down mental health 
impact and intention because I think that social media, those if you can keep those three things in mind, like just understand that you will have impact, but you have to also take care of your own mental health, especially on the app, like spending too much time or getting into this toxic, like getting involved with toxic other accounts and people. And then you have to be intentional or you will waste time and you will, you will kind of get into that spiral of dealing with, with accounts that just, if an account doesn't make you feel good, unfollow it. Like you said, that's why the feature is there. <laughs> like you don't have to see or interact with anybody that is tapping into your energy because your energy is precious really as right. a teacher and a, as a business owner. Yes. And, um, and just to add on to what you're saying, if you're spending all your time on social media networks, how much time are you spending in developing your business, right? There are some folks who don't have the 20, 30, and 50,000 followers, but you know what? They're profiting off of their business because they're not spending too much time on social media. They have boundaries. Or they're not into social media that much. They have other ways of getting clientele that works for them. So I think sometimes we get caught up with the fact that number of followers equates to impact. And when you look at some of the accounts, there are people that have 50, 90, 100 followers, but are they really bringing true value to, to the space? Are they making you better at what you're doing? Do they make you better people? And I'm all for entertainment. Entertainment is cool. But if all that they're showing you is entertainment, is that actually helping you to elevate? So these are just some of the things I always think about uh, with regard to just what I post. I, I'm always thinking about the pulse of, of the virtual community and, and what they need. And, and that's part of you know being in business. You have to understand your... So people will call it avatar or your ideal consumer. What do they need from you? What do they need in general? Because whatever you're creating has to fit the need of the person or your target audience, right? And if you're not posting things that don't align with your story, that don't align with your mission, you have to recalibrate. You have to Go back to the drawing board and just kind of rethink your posting strategy. So, I mean, that's something you can definitely do. If you look at anybody's account, even yours, Alyssa, when I look at your accounts, I know it's all about teacher hustle. I know it's about teacher hustling because the content is consistent with that. And I think sometimes people call themselves this person, but they end up trying to be like this person or that person because they're trying to you know, they're trying to just follow the trends as opposed to just following who they are, going back to the identity piece. I like how you said recalibrate, because I think you'll know you need to recalibrate when you start posting just to post. When you go into your scheduler and you're like, okay, I just need to come up with 10 posts and I don't really know what I'm going to say. I just, I know I should be, I know I should be posting this week. When that happens, like that's when you got to take you've got to go back and recalibrate like you said you've got to get a pulse on what what do your people need and that 
ideal customer avatar, you know, everybody does that when they start out their business. They're like, okay, let me figure out what my ideal customer, who that is. But how many times do you revisit it? How many mm-hmm. times do you actually get in conversation with that person and make sure that what you're doing aligns with what they need? Ask them, what do they need? What are they struggling with? And, and revisit that, like you said, because you don't want to contribute to the noise. There is enough noise. If you're going to put something out there, you have a responsibility to make sure that it's valuable. Right. And we talk about just the educator influencer world. It is overly saturated, overly saturated. So that's why it's so important for you to develop like your niche, right? You have to have something that's going to differentiate you from everybody else, which is very difficult when we talk about education. Because there are, there are a lot of people who do what we do. There are people who podcast. There are people who, who talk about having educators become entrepreneurs. There are so many programs like that. But how does, how, how does yours stand out in the crowd? That's what's going to bring traffic to your business is by having that differentiator. What makes you so unique? What makes you so special that they have to bypass all the other people to come to you, right? And I think that's why when you're developing the business, you have to be very specific and narrowed in your vision. You have to know your story and how your story ties to the business and how you yourself embodies the business because character goes a long way character goes a long way and you'll be surprised at some of the gifts and and some of the privileges and things that that come from that like there are people who will like i'll, I'll give you an example so regular day i'm just going about my business you know running some errands and I get a DM from a person who I, I don't really know, right? And she's like, Kwame, I love your stuff. I have a friend who works for the teaching channel, and she's a director, and they're looking for some content. I think your content would fit perfectly with the platform. Can we do an e-intro? I said, cool. Let's do an e-intro. And that all stemmed from somebody having such an such an influence or being so impacted by my content that they've been following for a long time that it is so compelled to just say, you know what? I got connected to my friend who's with Teaching Channel, which is a big platform for teachers. And, you know, fast forward to a month later, now I have a partnership with the Teaching Channel. And we're running Identity Talk. We're running Identity Talk courses. Share the Teach Identity 101 is now part of Teaching Channel, and it's all because of the content. When you build your authority, you're, you're creating a, a digital footprint because people will look at one story, and then they're going to trace you to another story. Then they'll go into that Google search engine, and they'll see all the other work you've done, everything. The universe just works like that sometimes. 
I think your next book should be called Stay True to the Entrepreneur in You <laughs> because it all it all comes together. It all comes back to your identity. It all comes back to your story. It's the more true you can stay to yourself, the more people will be attracted to you and word of mouth works in your favor and networking works in your favor. Everything comes together. And like you said, character goes a long way. So staying rooted in your mission, your values and you, your own identity and who you are. That's the key. I think we just, I think we may have unlocked the key to entrepreneurship right there. But it's easier said than done. It's easier said than done. Um, And we want to make sure that we preface saying that, right? By by Mm -hmm. making that known. Because a lot of people, they get caught with the romanticized stories of entrepreneurship and, and they see all the good and all the glamour but they don't understand the amount of work that it takes to get the engagement, the amount of work that it takes to get the partnership. Sometimes, some people who are lucky, they're, they're able to get that partnership within, within five months. Some people might take them five years before they get an opportunity like that. So in no way do I take any of my engagements for granted. Any podcast interview that I do, any workshops or conferences that I speak in is an opportunity. Whether it's paid or not, it is an opportunity at the very least to build authority. And authority is important. I cannot stress that enough. Mm-hmm. I can't stress it enough. And it's all in in service of getting your passion topic out there. So I wanted to to dig in a little bit more about our our responsibility as content creators, as people with a platform, because even if you have one follower, you have a platform. So yeah. you had an article. You have an article that I I want to link to it in the show notes because um, it's really important, and it's called an intrinsic approach to anti-racist teaching. And in that article, you make the point that um, you say the racially charged climate we're currently in calls for us to push our learning further. And you're talking about pushing your learning beyond reading a few books on anti-racist action, actually take action. And so you call us, call on us to push our learning further and then put that into action both in our school community. But since we're really, our conversation is, we're kind of going toward the entrepreneur side of things, also taking action using our platforms. So can you talk to us a little bit about that responsibility and how we can be agents of change in that way? And I'm so happy that you mentioned the one follower uh, metaphor because once again, we get caught up with the number of followers. Even if you have 500 followers, that's 500 people who listen and are watching every single thing that you do. You have an influence on them whether it's a 10% influence or 100% influence, that's one. So we need to kind of reframe our thinking when it comes to this influencer term, which, which, you know, whether you like the term or not, that's what we are. We influence the way people think. People are drawn by what we put out there. But with regard to anti-racism, it's very much become one of those trends that is, become commercialized. It's been appropriated uh, by so many different folks. Um, And within that article, I specifically mentioned 
um, Ibram Kendi and Robin D'Angelo because they are the the front runners or they're the people who are centered in this in this uh, movement, right? So when I mention that, it's not to say that their books are not good books. They're books that contribute to the conversation with regard to anti-racist teaching, but it's not the end-all be-all. And I think there are a lot of outlets that have framed their works as such to the point where people can say, all right, I read this book and now I'm going to become a DEI consultant because I read this book. And I'm just going to regurgitate whatever this person says without realizing, hold on, listen, I want, I want to show you something. Without realizing that with these books here, right, these are scholars. These are professors. So I have two books in my hand for those who are listening. I have Robin D'Angelo's White Fragility, and I also have Ibram Kendi's How to Be an Anti-Racist. Both bestsellers for the New York Times. Everybody knows what these books are, right? With these books, yes, you should read them, but you got to go to the back. You got to go to the notes section because that's where the scholarship is. They could not have written all those pages without the scholarship of some of the folks who never got the credit they deserve, many of whom are deceased. And then there's some who are of African descent. There's some who are of Latinx descent, Asian descent, you know, within that BIPOC spectrum. Um, sorry, BIPOC meaning Black, Indigenous, People of Color, for those who aren't familiar with the acronym. So if you look at this, you'll see all these different scholars who contributed to the works of this one person who is capitalizing off of this. Capitalizing. So there are people who are enraged because, all right, you're, you're talking about the pain of, of our people, right? But how are you reinvesting into those very communities that are marginalized, which is where the appropriation comes in? Like, what's really the purpose? So when we talk about creating content, yes, we understand that we cannot survive in business without revenue. We need revenue in order for the business to stay afloat. That's, that's key, but we need to do it with fidelity. We need to do it without sacrificing the vision of what we do, without sacrificing our character, and without abandoning who we are to the core. There's a way to do it the right way without without um, bringing people's hopes up, without taking advantage of people and exploiting them. So with anti-racism, there are so many people who are doing the work, but they're not getting they're not getting those fifteen thousand or those a hundred thousand you know dollar engagements with universities and and um, and other institutions. They're not getting that those those kind of um, return of investments, but their work might be equally influential in the space. But for whatever reason, they're not getting that same return of investment. And that, and there's even like, and that goes along the lines of not just race, but even with, even with just gender, right? Like women and men, 
right? And and then also we have to look at the LGBTQIA2 plus community as well. We have to factor them in because we have to talk about intersectionality too. Sometimes because of how you identify, you don't get those same return investments as other people. Like women don't get paid as much as men. That's still an issue today. Even with all the Title IX legislation and, and all the other things that are out there to try to level the playing field, there's still a disparity that has to be addressed. Same thing with um, race, too. There's a reason why there's affirmative action, because it goes back to access to opportunities. It goes back to diversity and representation and giving people a chance to be in position to get the same return of investments as other folks who have benefited for a long time, right? So that's why when we look at you know, content, whenever we put something out there, especially something as polarizing as anti-racism, we have a responsibility to, to put forth action with those words. It's not enough to just put a post out there. It's not enough to put a hashtag next to your name. You have to have the receipts. What are you doing to reinvest into those very communities in which you speak of that are marginalized? So as business owners, we have access to opportunities to be agents of change both in the classroom, if we're teaching, and outside of the classroom as business owners through the money we make and how we're reinvesting that through probably um, not just not just our revenue and how we spend it, you know, through donating or giving to organizations we believe in, but also when we think about hiring, we think about the messages we're putting out on social, when we think about um, what we're saying on our website and the types of communities we're building. These are all opportunities for us to make change. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and and that's and also let's add the people we associate ourselves with. Yeah. We have to be very careful. We can't follow just anybody. It has to be somebody that truly aligns and supports and will advocate for the vision that you're presenting through your platforms. That's another important thing because we're in this cancer culture era where it doesn't matter if you didn't make that statement because you have some kind of association with that person who's the culprit, we're going to cancel you as well just because of association. So you have to be wary of that as well. We are in that era. What would you say to someone who's nervous about getting into some of these difficult conversations because of all of that cancel culture and just the friction that can come from a difficult conversation like that. What would you say to a business owner, an an entrepreneur, somebody who is doing this to make impact? They maybe have an idea that they want to share, but they're afraid because it's a difficult conversation. I think with, with regard to that, transparency is key. Honesty is key. If you let people know that because, you know, people, they look at influencers as experts when sometimes we're just people who have read a lot of books, who have been influenced by other people. And we're just either sharing some good things that have hit our spirit 
or you know we're we're just we're just a hub for other people. Uh, so I think if we're honest and let people know that we are still learning, because as educators we're lifelong learners, right? We don't have all the answers. Just like we're in the classroom. I tell I would tell my kids, I don't have the answer, but guess what? Give me a few days of research, I'll come back to you with some answer. Or how about you research it? Because I think with learning, with education, it's a reciprocal process. And the more the more honest you are in that, the more receptive people will be to whatever you say. Even if you, even if there's a misstep in your information. And someone might call you out on it. And you're able to rectify it. You know, it's fine. And, I, and I'll give another example. Very recent example. So for the State of Teaching You Summit that I'm organizing. When I decided on who was going to speak, I went into my network. I went into my community of people who I know would be perfect for that event. And I tried to make an effort to be as diverse as possible. So, of course, there's, you have Black representation, you have Latinx representation, Asian representation. But I didn't have any people who are of indigenous descent. So, I'm advertising, I'm advertising the summit, and I see a comment from you know, a follower who also followed back. And she asked me, you know, Kwame, will there be any indigenous presenters for the summit? And I say, you know what? Unfortunately, there won't be because like, I don't, I don't have anybody who identifies as that within my network. And I had like a little sad face emoji because I was like, yo, I felt that, right? So then she said, you know, like we're going to have to have a, like a conversation. Very nice way, right? So we actually end up DMing each other, have some conversation. And for me, if I'm wrong, I have no problem apologizing or saying, you know what, I want to fix it. So here's what I ended up doing. I said, well, listen, if any spots open up, we could have someone come in to fill that spot. Or better yet, we could either, I could have you come on to my podcast to talk about this issue. Let's have a conversation about it. And that's exactly what we did. So yesterday, I actually did a recording for that episode uh, with this person, and we had the best conversation. And we're going to be having some more conversations in the months to come. But that's all because I, I didn't just ignore her. I said, you know what? You're right. Indigenous people have been erased in our society. Their land's been stolen from them, you know, and we have to address settler colonialism. Like we have to, because it's something that's still an issue today. So for me, I just told her, I want to do whatever I can to support you because she has been an avid supporter of, of my platform. And I want to make sure that I reciprocate that support. And that's part of building community is to have difficult conversations like the one that I had where you have to just say, you know what? My bad. You know what? I'm wrong. And I want to try to rectify it in a way that's going to uh, do justice, right? In a way that's going to be done with fidelity and 
having her come on the podcast to speak was a way to do it. And now we're we're connected. Now we're in a position where there's going to be some follow-up conversations. And, and quite frankly, Alyssa, every single person that you see in the flyer is somebody that's been on my podcast. It's somebody who I have supported either by buying their book, buying an apparel, buying a shirt, um, some kind of merchandise, or just amplifying their work by sharing content. And that's another way in order for you to get to get more clientele and to and also to build community is to find like-minded people who are doing similar work to you. And also understanding that it is collaboration over competition. Yeah. We're all we're all trying to do the right thing for the same pe- people. So why not collaborate and do something special? And that's what this summit was about. It wasn't just about identity talk. It wasn't just about Kwame. It was also about giving some of my community people an opportunity to be in the spotlight as well. You know, whether it's that 200 follower person, whether it's the person that has never done a summit before. Some of these people are presenting at a summit for the very first time, like ever. And that's because they were given the opportunity. So I think it's important for us to understand the importance of networking and community building, especially when we're doing this advocacy work in education, uh, because what we do is mission driven. Whether you're whether you're selling a shirt, whether you're doing a TikTok video, whether you're doing a podcast, it's driven by a specific mission. You're trying to impact change in some place within that education spectrum. So why not put yourself in a position where you can collaborate with people who may have some ends with certain districts and institutions, and you can serve as a subcontractor. Right, which will then give you access to more communities. So there's levels to this. <laughs> there's levels. It all goes back to what you said about not abandoning your character and also remembering that even though Instagram or whatever platform you're using is called a platform, it's really not a platform for you to stand on and speak out to to the crowd. It's really community, like you said. Yeah. So you're not a you're not standing on a platform yelling out to people. You need to step off that platform just like you would as a teacher. Get down on the floor with the kids. Get down on the floor with the people and build and facilitate that community. And facilitating a community is not the same as standing on a stage. It's It means listening to other people, letting other people speak, um, collaborating, and all pushing. Like you said, we're all pushing the same mission forward. So there's no sense in in competing or trying to pull somebody down, we're all in a big circle on the floor together. Like, and you are just facilitating that conversation and only good things can come of that. If you stay true to character, your character and your identity and who you are. Right. And, and then also with regard to the community, if you look at different people who are in the summit, um, I'm not the one of the most followers. I'm the curate, I'm the host, but, I'm not the one that's garnering the most followers because usually with these summits, the headline is usually somebody that's like at the top, right? They, they're like the biggest star. They have the most followers, right? 
I'm not. I'm like probably middle of the pack, like. But because of community, and because of good deeds, and being consistent, that's what that's what allowed me to put together the summit within a a three month span, which doesn't happen usually when you're trying to build a summit because there's so much involved. But because the community was already there, I was able to expedite that process. So there's there's value in just having a team because uh, they can connect you to opportunities. They can connect you to information that can only make your brand even better. So true. Your network, your, which network. is actually how we originally connected and is one of my last questions for you is yep. we originally connected on Clubhouse and Clubhouse is getting a little bit of a... Uh, I think people are a little nervous about it. It's like, do I've yep. got to go on a stage? I some rooms last for eight hours, so do I need to sit in the room for eight hours? What would you say to somebody who's thinking about hopping on Clubhouse to build their network? All right. So, in full transparency, I have not been on Clubhouse in probably like a month or so. I because, took a break too <laughs> because it's it's been getting so crazy. Um, but here's what I'll say to people who are considering going on Clubhouse. Clubhouse is like a huge information mall. So think about when you go to a mall. If you go there without a list of what you're going to buy, you're, gonna, you're just going to go window shop. You're just going to hop in this store, see what they got, look in this window, see what they got, and you end up being in the mall for five, six, seven, eight hours. But <laughs> If you come in with a plan, if you come in with a list of stores you're going to go to, and only those stores, you're not only going to not only going to cut down on the time that you're in the mall, but you're going to get what you need from the mall. So there I go with the metaphors. I don't know. I just I love that metaphor. That's the best one yet. I love that. You're exactly right. It can be so overwhelming. Right. So so let me translate. Right. So with Clubhouse, Clubhouse is a great way to network with other professionals. And there are some people who use the platform in a, in a, in a responsible way. And there are some who do not use the platform in a responsible way. Part, and this goes back to what I said about association with people. Align yourself with people who are about what you're about, right? So if you're going to go into Clubhouse, you want to go into a, a shoot your shot room or you want to go into a room that's, that's, that's about something totally different from what you're about, that is, that is up to you, right? But understand that when people go on this platform and let's say they're a friend of yours, they can see what rooms you're in. They'll know that you're in this room because... <laughs> They have the feature where, all right, where are my friends at? Oh, your friend's in this room. Do you want to join them in this room? Right? So that's, that's one part. But here's a great thing about Clubhouse. You could easily build authority in Clubhouse. And it's easier to get followers in Clubhouse than in other social media platforms because all you have to do is literally get on a bunch of stages. <laughs> Whether you are a moderator who's leading a discussion a co-host, 
or just somebody who just likes to raise their hand and get on the stage to talk. When you're on stage, people can see you. People will follow you. They'll tap on your face. They'll follow you. And next thing you know, that trickles down to your other social media platforms because you're able to add your Instagram and Twitter accounts uh, to to uh, Clubhouse. So if people follow you on Clubhouse, they'll probably send you a DM on Instagram to further collaborate or, or just to follow you. So like I'll be able to gain more followers because I moderate on Clubhouse, but also like I just I was active at one point, and I think it helps in that regard. But at the same time, you don't have to spend your whole time there. There are people who spend way too much time on Clubhouse. Like every time I get on the platform, I see them leading moderating a room, and then um, an hour later they're moderating another room, and it's like that's cool, but what are you gaining from it? Other than followers, are you getting more clients, right? What is the game? What is your reason for being on Clubhouse? Are you, are you being there to just be seen or to be a celebrity? Or are you there to for a specific mission? Like, no, I want to get clients. I'm trying to bring clients to my business. No, I'm trying to collaborate with this person. I want to connect with this person. You have to be very strategic. Yes. Right. You have to be strategic in how we do it. So like with you and I, we're talking today because we connected on Clubhouse. I was moderating a room. You got on stage. You spoke. And that's how we connected. And because we have similar parallel um, stories, you know, in terms of just being influencers, in terms of being podcasters, you know, consultants, entrepreneurs, we were able to just connect instantly because our missions align with each other and our beliefs align with each other. So it was easy to just connect instantly. All because of knowing our identities and being able to lean into those. And I'll include a whole bunch of links in the show notes for people to connect with you. But what's the best place for them to connect with you? Um, I would say you can visit the Identity Talk Consulting website at Identity Talk Numero Four Educators.com. That's where you'll find information about my services, information about the courses, information about the summit, the podcast, even some of my publications that I've done over the past couple of years. You'll be able to see everything uh, within that website. Stay true to the teacher in you. Always, always, always. I think that was the theme of this whole podcast. I so appreciate you. I appreciate you coming on, sharing all of this great knowledge with us. I think I could talk to you forever. And I I would love to have you on again to dig even deeper into some of these conversations sometime because this was just an amazing conversation. So thank you, Kwame, for being here. And uh, we will talk to you soon. I'm sure lots of the listeners will be over to connect with you. Uh, thank you, Alyssa. It was great talking with you. Definitely one of the best. And I'm not just saying it because you're looking at me. Definitely one <laughs> of the best um, interviews I've had where I'm on the receiving end. Usually I'm the one asking the questions, but it was just nice to talk about just different things. Like it's not every day that I get to talk about just the process of entrepreneurship because people don't really get to see what happens behind the scenes. They don't really hear that part. They just hear the finished product. So 
I appreciate you for giving me the opportunity to share not just my story, but just the amount of work that we have to put into our brands to make it what they are. So thank you. Thanks for letting us get a little peek behind the curtain. We appreciate that. Thanks for listening to the Teacher Hustle podcast. I love hearing from you. So if you loved this episode, please consider leaving a review. You can also join our Facebook group, Teacher Hustle Podcast, to chat about all things business, mindset, and marketing. I also love to chat in the Instagram DMs, so send me a DM or tag me in your post. My name is Teacher by Naptime over there. I'll see you in the next episode.